Hey everybody and welcome to another interview video on the channel. Today we have the pleasure of interviewing John Peel, me and AC Spud. It was wonderful and we learned an awful lot. Now I'm putting this beginning to give a little bit of fair warning to people firstly about some bad audio um, at certain points in the video where uh, I apologize for that but also when we discuss John Peel's book Time Worm Genesis to add some context to one of the characters Gildamesh and about the mythology behind that character we um, we uh, hear him mention the R word, which I'll put here. You'll know what I mean. And later on in the video, I'm going to be putting a timestamp so people know when to skip past and when it's coming up. I hope this is a is a sufficient trigger warning for people, and I really hope that you enjoy this uh, wonderful interview. See you all at the end. Bye bye. Hey everybody, and this is Josh from the Atypical Life YouTube channel. We're here with AC Spud and John Peel writer of the Virgin New Adventures, uh, the Eighth Doctor Adventures in the 1990s, and many other things. We're here today to talk all about them. So first, first and foremost, John, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Great, great stuff. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about, um, how, first, firstly, how, how did you become a writer and how did you wind up in the Doctor Who universe, if you see what I'm saying? Well, both of them are actually very related. Um, I started writing when I was about ooh, 10 or so. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew even at that age that was what I wanted to, do, you know, to actually do with my life. Um, the question was how to get anywhere from it. So um, I, I did a lot of story writing in various kinds of ways. Um, mostly with a friend of mine called Steve Evans. Um, I would go over to his house every Saturday and we'd spend the evening um, watching Doctor Who or Lost in Space or um, Star Trek, whichever was on at the time. And then afterwards we'd go upstairs and, and sit there and write like crazy. And as a result of this, we ended up um, writing some Doctor Who short stories because we loved the show so much and we thought we could have fun with it. And we joined um, an organization called the Doctor Who Appreciation Society yes. in England. And from that, we had gotten their latest um, mag, you know, mag fanzine that they were doing. Mm. And they had a short story in it that was absolutely dreadful. I mean, really bad. Uh, so me being the... Um, opinionated so-and-so that I am, mm -hmm. I wrote to the editor saying, can't you do any better than that? And he wrote back saying, can you? Oh. Um, we took that as a challenge. And both of us wrote, we, we wrote a bunch of, um, we'd, we'd already written some, but we wrote a bunch of Doctor Who short stories and we sent them in to him. And he liked them so much, he decided to put out a special issue with just our stories. And wow. from he decided that what the organization needed was a writer's pool mm. where someone could work with other writers to bring their lab, you know, writing levels, writing skills up. And he asked uh, me and my friend Steve to do it. And I mean, we, we, had, we weren't actually looking to do anything like that, but we, when we were asked, we couldn't really say no. I mean, having created, already criticized what he had published, yeah. uh, 
we had to show that there was better stuff out there. And there was. I mean, we got some very, very good writers on board mm. for um, Cosmic Mask, as it became known. And um, a couple of them have gone on to profession, you know, to be professional writers. So mm. it proves that you can you can get somewhere from fan fiction if you try. Absolutely, I, lo I love that. Go on, sir. Sorry, I, that's pretty much how I got into writing for Doc, you know, writing Doctor Who material. It sounds mm. like a lot of writers who join Doctor Who go there because they're not satisfied without being run <laughs> yeah. right now. Mm. That's how Chris Chibnall started because there's that infamous clip of him. Moaning about, uh, I think what, it's Time Lord. I think, stuff. yeah, yeah, is everyone comes in saying, I can do better than this. Yeah, well, that actually, um, I, I've done a lot of conventions with other writers, hmm. and I mean, I'm talking general science fiction writers, not just Doctor Who writers, and quite a lot of them. I was on a panel with um, Joan Vinge, and um. I asked, I, you know, somebody asked, how did you get started writing? And I, to I told the old story that I always tell, um, which was I read a book called Interstellar 2-5 by John Rank uh, Rankin. And it was terrible. And I mean, you put it down and, and I said, and I thought, I can do better than that. And Joan looks at me and she said, I had the exact same experience with a different book. And then somebody else on the panel said, Yes, that's what got me into it. I can do better than that. And yeah. I think almost writers in the past somewhere have come across a book which pushed them to say, I can do better than that. And then you feel you know, compelled to do better than that. So it, it, it's a part of every writer's growing up, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, so anybody watching this and you do want to criticise the show, do better. You can absolutely that's how you do, do it. That's how you do it. That's how yeah. I'm thriving at uni right now because I look at everybody else's work and I say I can do better than that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's the start of everything, really. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So I, I think that maybe asking this a bit too early on, but uh, looking through your Wikipedia page and looking through the TARDIS wiki, a lot of your stuff is very linked to Terry Nation and the Dalek work. So you. Uh, did some target books on Evil of the Daleks, is that right? And a few of the other yeah. 60s Dalek mm -hmm. stories. Did you have a good relationship with Terry? How, how did all this come about? Well, um, it started when St. Martin's Press asked me um, about... They, they, they were thinking of doing um, a Doctor Who book because at that time Doctor Who was really taking off over here in the States. Mm. And they thought they would do a Doctor Who book and start cashing in on some of it. And the editor didn't know the show. So right. he thought, I better contact someone who does. And he called me up and said, can I run these ideas past you? And they were dreadful. I mean, they were really, really bad. So I told him, uh, they're not going to work. They won't work. Do you remember so what thought, some of these specific ideas were? The only one I can remember was someone had had sent in an, a thing which was, it was titled something like Why Tom Baker is the Greatest Actor. Actor, uh, full stop. Yeah, and then, and then that, that was like, and I said to the editor, look, if you try publishing that one, you're going to annoy all the fans of every other doctor. 
Yeah. So yeah. he said, yeah, that's a point. <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, so they, they were all like that. I can't remember. The others were so bad, I can't even remember what they were. But they were, they were not thought out well. So he said, well, do you have any idea what we could do? And I said, well, Terry Nation wrote this book called The Dalek Handbook. Uh, and out of space, out of Facebook or whatever, mm. uh, um, in the 60s. And I think, you know, with a little updating, that would work. Yeah. So he said, oh, okay, can you talk to Terry for me then and get, you know, see if he's interested. So I had to track Terry down, which I managed. Mm. And uh, we had a little chat and he said, well, you know, uh, I'm busy working at the moment on um, MacGyver. He was on, working on yeah. MacGyver. And he said to me, I don't have the time to update something. Would you like to have a go at it? So, I mean, yeah, sure. I'd love to have it. I got the book out. I was looking at it and I realized, no, it really wouldn't update very well. What we needed to do was a brand new book. And that's what we ended up with for St. Martin's, the, doc the official Doctor Who and the Daleks book. Mm. Uh, so that's how we started. And then partway through working on that, Terry called me up and said, would you like to write a novel, John? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Why? What? And he said, well, Target's been bugging me again, and they, they want some Dalek novels. And um, I, I said, OK, as long as they let you do them. And of course, Target didn't care who wrote them. For, you know, for, for their money's worth, it could have been trained monkey. They didn't care. As long as it said Dalek on the cover, yeah. that was wanted. So they, um, they agreed to let me write the book. And then Terry called me up and said, would you like to do it? Having already arranged for it, you know. Um, Terry was wonderful to work with. Absolutely wonderful. Because he really didn't have very much of an ego, considering everything that he'd done. Mm. And uh, he'd, he'd created the um, Blake Seven, uh, he'd created Survivors, he'd done huge amount of TV work, of course, at that point. And he was very modest about it. And he, he would just, you know, very depreciated and everything, and very generous. He would say, uh, when I was doing the novels, he would say, well, John, you know, I had my crack at them. It's your turn now on these stories. So what do you think you need to do for the book? And if I had to change something, he would say, no problem. Go ahead, do it. And it was a very, very easy working relationship. Um, plus, he was one of the funniest people I've ever met. I mean, we spent, I, I would say we spent nearly a third of the time on the phone just laughing. Um, and that was wonderful so um, I, it was a great relationship and to be able to um, you know to work on these stories that I had seen as a child hmm. was marvelous I mean it was just absolutely amazing as far as I was concerned and Terry was very um, backed me up on everything so yeah. it was really good great to hear that yeah, amazing. Um, I, I do wonder though, how how easy was it to keep up with Canon uh, before the internet? Now that you can Google everything, it's easy to do that and see, and that can aid in storytelling. But at the time, 
I'd imagine you'd have to consult the masters such as Terry and and uh, oh, remember. Terry, yeah, Terry really didn't remember a lot of it. <laughs> uh, I mean, he was constantly writing. He, he, he was um, one of those people that hardly ever stopped writing. So, you know, he moved from one project to another and the one that he'd finished was in the past, put behind him hmm. and onto whatever he was doing now. Um, as a result of which, he didn't actually remember very much. Uh, when I was doing the chapter on the history of the Daleks for the hmm. book, good luck with that. Um, I never had one myself. He'd yeah. never written a history of the Daleks. He had no plan. He just wrote each story as he was asked to write a story. Mm. So there was there was no planning involved in any Dalek history or anything. Yeah. And um, as a result of which, he really he he was ready to bet me before I began doing the history of the Daleks that I couldn't do it. Uh, and he he was quite amazed when I actually managed to put a co you know a coherent yeah. timeline together. He, he said he'd never thought of half of the stuff. So that, that was the way Terry was. Yeah. You know, a lot of it. It's a good so, thing it involves time travel because that can really help with putting canon together. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. things can change. Mm. And Terry was very fond of that sort of idea. Oh, yeah. On that note, um, uh, one of the most infamous parts of uh, one of the eighth Docs events she did was War of the Daleks. And there's an awful lot of changing around of what people perceive to be the established Dalek law at that time. Right. Uh, how, how did you go about um, making this plan? I, I'm guessing you planned it out beforehand, say this is how it actually happened. How did you mm -hmm. go about that? What made you um, decide upon certain decisions in that, from Dalek Invasion of Earth to uh, Dest uh, Destiny Remembrance of the Daleks? Sorry. Well, what happened was... Remembrance of the Daleks was um, broadcast mm. and Terry called me up and it's one of the one of the very few times where he had lost his temper. Uh, normally he was the easiest going person in the world, but when he when he saw Remembrance, he called me up and he said, I never approved them blowing up Scarrows. This wasn't in the original outline um, or anything. And you know, he was furious, absolutely yeah. furious. And he said, you know, that man, uh, John, John Mason Turner, that man will never have the Daleks again. Um, wow. He was so annoyed. I mean, he was, he really felt like he'd been betrayed. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I, I talked to Ben Aronovich, and yeah. Ben assured me that his, the outline that he wrote had included the destruction of Scarrow, and, you know, I believe them. Yeah. So I don't know whether it's just that Terry skimmed over the outline and didn't see that part, mm. or whether JNT was pulling a fast one. I mean, we'll, we'll probably never know, but I know Terry was absolutely livid. Um, when it came time to do War of the Daleks, I was, I obviously, um, I ran the idea past Terry, and Terry said, no problems, but if you could do me a favor, um, bring Scarrow back. Uh, and he said, no pressure. If you can't figure out a way to do it, we don't worry. I said, no, no, no problem. I can bring, I can yeah. bring Scarrow back. By the way, can I kill off uh, Davros? 
and Terry thought for a moment and said, you can do anything you want, John. Just don't, don't kill him too permanently. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I learned from my mistake in that first Dalek story. You don't kill off a good villain forever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was basically his, his suggestion for mm. War of the Dalek. And mm. I had no problems at all with, with doing this. Yes. Met, meant jiggling the um, continuity around a little bit. Mm. But, you know, uh, as a writer, part of the fun of being a writer is being given constraints and then seeing how you can work around them. Mm -hmm. I can so much much Doctor on. Who has to thank for that because the TARDIS, they were constrained by budget, obviously. Like, so it had to be a police box. And I, it's a wonder um, when you're able to adapt something that already exists and is beloved. Yeah. Um, it's a wonder what you're able to change, and it might surprise you how mm. it's handled. Sometimes I wonder what Terry might think of the Paradigm Daleks, for instance. Would he have approved of the Hunchback or the colours and stuff? Uh, I, I don't think Terry would have liked them. Uh, one of the reasons why he wanted me to do the Dalek novels was because he and I had the same uh, attitude towards the Daleks, mm. and I was following what he wanted. Um, because I, it was the way I also saw it, so we, we had no problems there. Whereas I think he would have probably taken exception to a few of the things that have happened to the Daleks since. Um, hmm. Because they, they are not... They, he didn't like a lot of what JNT was doing with the Daleks, basically turning them in, into tanks. Yeah. Uh, that was, they weren't doing anything, they were just tanks hmm. running around shooting. Whereas, of course, he always thought the Daleks were far more subtle than that. Not that they wouldn't go running around shooting people, but mm. there would be more of a motivation behind it. It wouldn't mm. just be randomised. Yeah. Know, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're more strategists in Terminator stories. They actually have a plan and they are able to do it on their own, you know? And... Um, for for me, that was why I wanted to get rid of um, Davros, because I was getting really fed up with the, the JNT era. Um, Davros comes in, has his Daleks, yeah. the Imperial Daleks come in, they have a big fight, and then whatever. Mm. Because he kept, they kept repeating that. Mm. And I, I was fed up with it, and I thought, if we get rid of uh, Davros, at least semi-permanently, then we can get on to telling stories again instead of just having this endless battle. Yeah. So that was the, the concept behind um, War of the Daleks, was to finish that storyline off completely and get on to something else. And they can have some of their menace back if they're united against everything else as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. If they're fighting each other, it can lead to a lot of funny moments. We, we were laughing yeah. at some of those stories. Yeah, we yeah. <laughs> They just shoot each other. Yeah, I mean, there's literally one that basically is like, run, help me. Yeah. Oh. But yeah. Um, just to very quickly ask, because I have no confirmation on this whatsoever, but was War of the Daleks ever pitched as a TV episode? There, there was... Ah, hmm. Not exactly. What happened was, I thought, having done um, the novelization, it would be fun to try pitching a, a TV story. Hmm. Um, directed to the BBC and I wrote War of the Daleks originally as a four part idea yeah. um, you, if you read War of the Daleks you can see the four the, the three points where 
it was meant to break from the viewers. Yeah, um, and I I had just finished writing the idea up, and I was going to run it past Terry, and that's when Terry saw Remembrance and said, you know, that man will never have the Daleks again. So I thought, oh well, and filed it away. But then when BBC Books came to me and asked me if I'd like to write another Doctor Who story with the Daleks in, I thought, okay, perfect opportunity and pulled it out again. So originally, yes, it, it was going to be a, um, a, a TV outline that I was going to submit, but it never got anywhere at that stage. Mm. But I just picked it up and carried on. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> what are Go on, you learn not to dispose of any ideas if, they, if they're workable. Yeah. And just put them on the back burner for a while, and that's what happened here. Absolutely. I only say because if you look up on online, there's like a list of what people say on made episodes, and it says that War of the Daleks was pitched. So I thought I'd ask really quickly about that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it almost got pitched. <laughs> mm. And then... Oh, go, go on, Asa. Oh, I was just going to ask, um, do you take full advantage of when you write in book or comic form? Because you don't have to worry about TV budget then, so you can have great big monsters and stuff. Speaking of, go on. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a little deaf. I missed that bit. Oh, yeah, sorry. I don't know how loud I am on my mic. I was going to ask, do you take full advantage of the book and comic book form uh, in terms of what you're able to get away with? Because with TV, there's a lot you might have to cut out because of budget or impracticality. With yeah, books, you can go crazy. Wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful having the freedom of a book where there's no budget constraints. I mean, I yeah. can... If I can imagine something, it goes in the story. You know, I don't have to worry about it. When I was writing the novels from The Chase, this is what I found with Terry. Terry had written his original script, and they had been very severely rewritten by Dennis Spooner. Mm. Um, because Terry's original ideas would have been... They would have broken the bank. I mean, BBC couldn't have afforded to, to mm. film them. Um, so Dennis had rewritten them on, on a level where he, you know, they could actually spend the right kind of money. Um, so when I was novelizing the chase, I put all those bits back in again that couldn't yeah. be filmed, and um, it, it made a much more interesting story. I think much much more fun for the readers. And when I was doing War of the Daleks, my immediate thought was, let's do things that you could never do on the TV. And um, that's why I have this whole opening sequence of, of the Sol Dalek War and yeah. Planet. I mean, it would have blown the budget for Doctor Who for an entire year to put that in. But I mean, I could do it. And <laughs> Harry loved it. Um, it was one of the very favourite bits, the, the idea that the Sarls are on their way to becoming the Daleks. They're becoming what they hate. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and Terry liked that concept. Uh, oh, yeah. So, really fun. Mm -hmm. Sounds fun. Yeah, with, Sometimes with on Doctor Who, a story might be hampered by a bit of soapy drama that you know it's got to be there because we've got to save a bit of money. <laughs> yeah, like, There's some Dalek stories where it's like, okay, human scene, we just got to Skip past this. Yeah, I'm going to feel sorry for you when you're dead. You... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to cheer. <laughs> Go on, Flem. 
I was going to say, I feel like the Falls are quite interesting characters in themselves. And the fact we haven't seen them in quite a while, be it on TV or, or in books. I don't think we've even been used in books in about 10, 15 years. So I'd be very interested right. to see them in the show again, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as I was concerned, the Falls were a, an essential part of Dalek history. Yeah. So bringing them back made perfect sense to me. Um, especially after their, uh, the only other appearance was in Planet of the Daleks. Well, Genesis as well, but that's back on Scarrows. Uh, but in Planet of the Daleks, we have them, and they're hunting the Daleks. And I thought, well, why wouldn't they carry on? They're, they're like... Um, it, it, in many ways, they were kind of similar to the, um, the Jewish Secret Service hunting down Nazis. Yeah. Except that the Nazis were hiding and the Daleks didn't bother to hide. I mean, but the, the, the whole concept was, you know, you're going after your enemy. Hmm. And I liked that that whole thing, which is why I kept you know, putting it in. Yeah, I think they're absolutely important to the mythos. When I was a kid and I had New Who only and didn't yeah. know much about the classic series, I would remember in annuals where they'd explain the Dalek origin. I just remember, what are the fowls? How hmm. come they're not in the show? What? Uh, yeah. It turns out there's all sorts. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, very. This is only a, a hypothetical um, question, um, considering uh, you knew uh, uh, Terry t um, quite well. Do you think he would have liked the idea of the Time War? Just something up off the top of my head. Do you think he'd like that idea of the Daleks and Time Lords going at it in a war? Oh, I think he would have thought it was perfectly inevitable. Mm. Uh, because... The, the two of, you know the two of them would be on a collision course unfortunately that was bound to happen yeah so, um, yeah I think he would have loved it um, considerably mm -hmm. I was actually going to one, one of the ideas that I was considering after um, legacy of the Daleks mm -hmm. was to do a story where the da basically the Dalek invasion of time. Ooh. Where the Daleks go after the by accident the existence of the Time Lords, and they have a plot underway, which the Doctor emerges in the middle of, um, where they're going to invade Gallifrey. And I came up with a clever way they could do it. I thought, mm -hmm. <laughs> but by the time I'd worked it out and had it all ready, I had I got sidetracked doing other. Um, other projects, so I didn't come back to it um, in time to actually mm. do anything with it. But I, I was originally going to do that. It just sounded like, and some of these, some of these things are on, almost in an inevitable um, outgrowth. There are certain things you come up with. You say, "Oh, I have to do this. This is yeah. too much." Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's it, it's like. Uh, when I did it, one of my Star Trek novels, um, I my immediate thought was, okay, what are we going to do? What's something that's going to be terribly inevitable? And I thought, the Borg find Deep Space Nine. I mean, I thought that was a dead certainty. So I, unfortunately, so did my editor when I sent the idea in. He said, no, 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 Paramount will never okay this. They'll want Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, you have to hit the right moment, otherwise you're, you're not going to get uh, approval. So about the time war is that it's 
such a big confrontation idea. It's the ultimate war idea that yeah. it would be weird to portray it. Like, how could you do it justice? So yeah. I liked how they handled it, where they would only speak of it. And it's like, we must never speak of it. It was a horrible thing. I want to forget it. Yeah, You'd see traumatised characters from it. And it's all in your mind what happened. So mm-hmm. when they, they started in the 50th, just opening up to portraying it and it kind of ruined it <laughs> for me uh, i wanted to imagine it was horrifying and yeah you could never get away with that on kids tv though and that's why as you say you should probably have never shown it maybe do yeah. audios about it maybe do novels about it but because mm. when the master came back start raving mad that was an example to me of how yes. horrifying it was so yeah but that's it, tell don't show right there yeah, that it that it was so bad it even drove the master crazy. Yeah, that was a good idea, but there we go. Oh, um, I, I guess you inevitably have to keep going and um, mm. open things up because mm. the yeah. fans are going to be wanting that kind of material. Oh and yeah, part of the fun of, of you know um, meeting this kind of thing is is being able to come up with things that you think will please the fans oh yeah uh, which is part of the fun of it what would the fans like to see and um that was part of how i wrote my books originally mm-hmm. was to appeal to the you know to the fan reader if, if you ask me when it comes to the daleks the fans are not asking for that much because no, i don't think so it's um, not that hard to make them really awesome no. they, they just they just want to have a good basically war story yeah uh, because that's how the daleks are they fight constantly mm. um so you know the, the fans want a good story um that you can get your teeth into really and enjoy tremendously mm. and um, the daleks really do make a great deal of expectations for the fans i think more than most other villains mm. the sidemen mm. Secondarily, I think, but the Daleks are really it when it yeah. comes to the book. Exactly. There's as much potential with them as there is just stories of war itself, basically. Yeah. Because there's nobody that won't fight. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's fairly easy to come up with a Dalek idea. All you have to do is come up with some nasty mechanism that they've evolved for some reason or other and then just throw them in. And um, they, they basically write themselves at times. No, exactly. There's, as long as you have good set pieces with them, um, yeah. as we've said, we, we like having them be intelligent, but there are good stories where they're not, really. I mean, like, Passing mm-hmm. of the Ways, um, in my opinion, is one of the better modern Dalek stories, and a lot of that is just them um, chasing people, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think the, the real thing you have to... Rem- do with the Daleks is make them scary. Yes. Make them very. Uh, uh, for example, when um, Rob Shearman wrote Dalek for uh, the Ninth Doctor, I mean, he, it was. It, it, I loved the story because it was for the first time in a long time, the Dalek was scary. Yeah. One Dalek versus everybody, and you could not guarantee you were going to win because mm-hmm. the Dalek could take everybody out and that was that was exactly right i think terry would have loved that story 
mm. because it really showed what the Daleks could do. It seemed so designed to confront every everything that you would laugh at. It's like, oh, they keep saying exterminate, they don't shoot, it keeps shooting first. Oh, the plunger, it tears someone's mm. face off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it left me. yeah. Oh, the stairs, they can't get the set flies up the stairs. It was mm-hmm. a it was a yeah. conga line of failure for the humans. And oh, as a kid, yes, it terrified me. I was up at night. Yeah. I needed my bed away from the window because I was scared of it rising up from the window. Was, yeah. Mm. That, and my dad true. could my dad just looked at me and thought they got the Daleks right. Because look yeah. at my yeah. son, he's a wreck. Well done. <laughs> well done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, absolutely. It's one of my favorite Dalek stories there. Mm. Oh yeah, I couldn't watch the finale. I couldn't watch Part of the Ways. <laughs> oh. I couldn't watch it because they were back and there was too many of them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was the perfect build-up as well. So you see what one can do, what can an army do, type thing. So having well, them mm-hmm. next to each other was fantastic. So, I say that's brilliantly uh, done. It was really lovely. So after War of the Daleks, not too long later, you wrote. Let's see if it shows up here. Legacy of the Daleks. <laughs> ah. Yes. disappearing into the background, but Legacy of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Now, well, okay. yeah, they, they actually asked me to do a second Dalek book before I'd even finished the first one. Really? Um, I think, yes, I, I think they realised, uh, as before, that putting Dalek on any cover is going to make it sell more. Mm. So um, they asked for a second one. And Again, as I said earlier, you know, as a writer, if you get a good idea, never just forget about it. And I had originally come up with the idea for Legacy of the Daleks as a short story back in my my fan writing days. I'd written this short story with Susan um, on the future Earth meeting the Roger Delgado master. Um, and I, I hadn't really gotten very far. It was just a short story. Hmm. But um, when I was trying to think of another idea for the Daleks for a novel, I thought, you know, that wasn't a bad idea. And it, it kind of set up a, a situation that I could make more use of. I could do more with the, with the background. Um, the idea of what would happen after the Dalek invasion has been defeated. How would people cope? Yeah. What would become of it? I mean, they wouldn't go straight back to exactly as it was before because they couldn't. There were too many dead. Um, civilization is on the verge of collapse. So um, I had all of this going on in the background. So I, I came, you know, from that original short story, I, I started developing the, the background for a longer story. Hmm. And I like the idea also that the Eighth Doctor would suddenly try and um, make good on the promise that the First Doctor had done um, by saying to Susan he would come back and see her again. Absolutely. Finally got around to it, you know. Yes, Um, absolutely. Um, I was going to say they've they've just uh, tackled this in Big Finish, of course. We've done that a couple of times now. So I've, I've... I think logically, for whatever reason, eight just kind of fits that idea. I don't know what it is about it, but the eighth doctor seems to be the ideal fit to see Susan again. Mm-hmm. And um, you get something of a, a restart sense with eighth because he's in the middle of two completely different generations. Yeah, he's 
He's got a sense of rebirth about him. Um, plus, Susan was always one of my favourite companions. Oh. And I just like the idea of, of just bringing her back. <laughs> and um, it, it was interesting. Uh, when, I, when I finished the book, I wrote a little afterward mm. saying, you know, that this, this was actually based on the short story I'd written for a fanzine. And my editor called me up and he said, oh, God, John, I'm not printing that. He says, I'm sorry, but if I put in there that this was originally a fan short story, I am going to be inundated with fanzines from yeah. now on. <laughs> that people would yeah. try and sell me yeah. that story. So um, it never made it to the book. <laughs> oh. Mm -hmm. But uh, he's called. <laughs> I can see his point of view, let's face yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, very quickly, is there any protocol to using someone like Susan? Because it seems that the show's been very guarded against um, revisiting Susan in general. Did you have any pushback from the publishers, anything like that? Um, well, it would have been difficult for them to reuse Susan very much on the TV. Mm. Uh, because... Obviously, although Susan wouldn't have aged, um, yeah. the poor actress Caroline Ford certainly has. She still looks very good, mind you, but she does not look a lot like the old Susan, so it would have been difficult. And I, you could have had to regenerate, I suppose, but mm. um, um, it sometimes it doesn't. It, it, it's like with um, with Liz Sladen playing Sarah Jane, you know. They could bring the character back, but you couldn't imagine anybody else doing it like that. Absolutely. Be no... um, mm. So, you know, they. I, I think they were wise not to bring Susan back on the TV. The only that way I'd do it personally, the only way I'd do it personally is say you see an older Susan at first, and then you would regenerate. You'd need that visual right. to carry on, I think. Because it's just yeah, it, make, it makes the doctor look a bit mean. That's the the, yeah. <laughs> the consequence of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's better for for the fans to think. Well, maybe he went and visited her again, but we didn't see the adventure because it was just a big hug fest and nothing really yeah. happened. Um, I think I think they'd prefer that to having it mm. done badly. Mm. Absolutely. Just a nice mm. cup of tea together, no Daleks. Mm. Mm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which would be nice for the characters, but terrible for viewing. <laughs> oh, um, so I know, I know that you said you had an idea for a third Dalek book, but uh, oh, I, I always I, have I, ideas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Which is all, always good. Um, was that? How do I say? It? Because these were the only Dalek books produced by BBC or even indeed Virgin. Uh, was there any other requests to have any done that you know of where, where you sought out to do more at all? No, I don't think so. Um, after after um, Terry's passing, the um, there was less resistance to using other writers. Hi. Um, I mean, while Terry was alive, he didn't want anybody else to play with the Daleks except for me, which was very flattering. I mean, it was lovely that he he felt so much. But after after he passed, um, it was opened up to other writers, and some of them have been very good. I mean, um, I read I don't know if you've read it, uh, George Mann's Engines of War. Yes, uh, yeah. 
War Doctor um, adventure, and I thought he did the Daleks extremely well. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the, the, the Daleks are still around, as, as we know, mm. <laughs> and they're going to continue, I'm certain. Oh, absolutely. I, I'd love to have another go at them, I must admit. Mm. I, I do hope that happens, because again, um, yeah, I was good telling to off, I'll tell off, you what, oh, go on. what monsters, what other monsters would you love to write for? Um, Good question. Speaking yeah. as just big fans. <laughs> yeah, um, I've honestly, I've, I've wished I could write some stories featuring, say, the demons. Ooh. I love the demons. When, you know, that was a good one. Uh, and also, I, I've had fun writing some of the lesser monsters. Uh, I mean, the very first piece of professional Doctor Who I wrote was the backup strip uh, for four issues of um, Doctor Who Weekly, as it was then. Yeah. Um, I brought the Sea Devils, um, the um, the Celestial Toymaker. I mean, I love. Oh yeah, yes. I love a reality bender. I love a reality bender. Yeah, and I mean, those kind of characters. Yes. And uh, I, I found also that I kind of like creating my own monsters, Ooh. my own creatures, part of the fun of it. Um, when I was asked to do one of the Stewart novels, um, I wanted to do, because I'd never written Lethbridge Stewart in my, um, my, my BBC books or anything. So I thought it would be lovely to write him. And I came up with, monster called the um, Imia or um, the Grandfathers and that was fun because I was I was trying to create something that hadn't been done before well probably somebody somewhere has done something like it because it's almost impossible to become be completely original but I wanted to do something a little different and um, that that was a huge amount of fun and playing in, in still in the Doctor Who universe um, but without Daleks, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, it's good you have that much freedom with franchises, with this oh, franchise, I know how anything can go, anything can go. And you know, I love it when an obscure monster comes back. Mm -hmm. So, when the Zygons came back in the new series and they did a pretty good story of them, and now, now it's like, oh, you couldn't do anything with them again, could you? No, never say that, never say that. I think a lot of them have a lot of potential. It's good well, to have a, a gallery. And build yeah. up a mythos like that. Yeah, um, I, you you can do anything as long as you're creative. I believe absolutely. You can have a lot there of you fun. Go. Um, I mean, uh, there there are a lot of obscure monsters from the past of Doctor Who that would stand a good resurrection, hmm. and um, they're out there somewhere. Why not? Like the, the Candyman. The Candyman. Ah, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure about the Candyman, but I remember thinking some, I, I would love to have done something with the Draven. I was about um, to say the Draven, the, the Draven's yeah. And because nothing was really made of them. And mm -hmm. I think uh, in a more modern age, the idea of an, a, a, you know, a female run society which uses men only for reproduction and then throws them aside. It's, that's a perfect uh, analogy for these days. We could have a great fun oh. story of 
reversing PC and everything like this, you know, yeah. just, just fun. Yeah, I think that'd and, be good. Uh, it could be, you know, think, so if I ever come up with a great idea, I'll have to figure out who I could pitch it to. <laughs> it's good that fun is one of the primary focuses and yeah. is that important? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You can finally ask your question, Flynn. I do apologise. Oh, no, no, absolutely. Um, it's fine. It's I, was, right. I was going to ask about uh, the other book that you did in the Doctor Who main range back, back when it was the Virgin New Adventures. You actually did the first ever Virgin New Adventures book. In uh, Can you help right. me with the translation here? Time Women, is it? Time Women Genesis? Uh, I, yeah. Uh, I pushed very hard for that. I really wanted to be the first person to write a new authorised, the first authorised Doctor Who adventure. Um, And um, I I pushed very hard with my editor to get to do that. And um, it was kind of funny because I met Terence Dix a little while later. And I said to Terence, you know, did you... um, really should have been the one to write the first one because, you know, you were so associated with the show. Uh, I said, were you a little upset when I got I got in there first? And he, he laughed and he said, not in the slightest because I knew the first one would get all the flack and then <laughs> I could write my piece. Wow. <laughs> that was quite, we, we had a good laugh about that one. <laughs> but he was right. I mean, I got all the flack and um, so the, I can see the wisdom in what he thought. <laughs> That's what you get for being a more mature writer. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, hey, uh, do you do you have to describe your new monster to the the illustrator of the cover? Oh, you, yes. Uh, what happened was they um, Peter Darvel Evans, who was the editor at the time. <laughs> had come up with the initial concept of the time worm, but only as far as the very, very vaguest outline, not much description at all. And he left it to me to fill in the details, um, which would have to go to the others. What we were doing was we were writing the first four books all simultaneously. So I was writing the first, Terence was writing the second, Nigel was writing the third, and Paul was writing the fourth, all at the same time. So I had to write a sample chapter and um, a description of everything, a background Hmm. for everything, which was then sent to the other three um, writers so they could work from it too. So I, I wrote this um, introductory paragraph of, <coughs> excuse me, of what the time worm was, and I explained that um, she was a cybernetic creature who had been human, but originally, you know, originally human, but had become more. And then this was sent off to um, Andrew, I believe it was Andrew. That was Andrew. Yeah, that was Andrew Skelter cover. Um, Andrew, um, who worked from my very quite vague description. Originally, I was thinking of making her kind of like a spider creature. Mm. But then I thought, well, that's kind of dull. Um, we've, we've had spiders in, in before, so let's do something a little different. So I described her as, as a sort of this cybernetic siren kind of character. 
Kind of reminds me of the Xenomorph with the shape of her head from the Alien series. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether Andrew was influenced by that, but then, I mean, the first I knew was they sent me a proof of the cover. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely not quite the way I was thinking of her, but definitely right. Yeah, it probably so, never is quite the way you think of it, but <coughs> it's good oh, in its own right. Go on. Exactly. Well, um, in fact, when I was doing um, the comic strips, mm. that uh-huh. one of the huge parts of the fun of writing the comic strips is I would describe what I wanted on the page, but I had a, a, an image in my own mind, of course, what it would be. And the uh, comic artist would actually read what I'd written and interpret it. So uh, in no cases really were the strips the way I'd originally envisioned them, but they were all better, thank goodness. Um, they <laughs> imagined, and I was very pleased with them. So oh, yeah. in the, the Time Worm cover, when I got the picture of the Time Worm, I was like, not quite the way I pictured it, but yes, I like it. You know? A Eureka <laughs> moment. Yeah. Um, good, good. I guess um, another question leading on about the Virgin New Adventures. Um, we know that, that uh, very much so that uh, the people behind them wanted to make a more mature Doctor Who. They, they actually really planned this out. Supposedly, they had like a series Bible and this sort of thing. Uh, were all the writers clued in on this, or were, were you given quite a lot of freedom on what you could do? If you see what I'm saying. Well, I, I didn't have the problem because I was basically the one that was being experimented on. Um, they didn't have a writer's Bible so much at the time. I'm trying to remember what I was sent. Uh, a little bit of background, just yeah. a little. Um, and then what I tried to do was to work from that. And yeah. I would have all these... Qu- I wrote up a list of questions for... Um, for the um, the book, and I had the you know had Peter ask the production team about the answers um, because I mean I really didn't know a lot of background material um, on the Sylvester shows. I'd only seen about half of them by that point because being in America, they didn't come here um, quite so easily, and I I had only caught some of them. And as a result of which, I, I had sent a whole bunch of um, questions into the BBC about the backgrounds for the characters, um, which I got no replies. So, really? <laughs> really? No. Uh, there, I, I, I wrote, for example, um, are Ace's parents still alive? Because in the show, you don't know. They don't say that there are any... There's the implication that the mother is still alive, certainly, but there's no mention of the father in any episode at all. So, I mean, I was I was asking, is he still there? Are his are Ace's parents still you know together? And got no replies on any of these because I don't not because they were being nasty, but because I don't think they did the, the questions had arisen in their own minds. Yeah, they they had thought about these things. And when I'm writing, I like to think about my characters, what's going to be motivating them and everything. Mm -hmm. So I like to know, are their parents alive? Do they have siblings? Um, What jobs do they, have they done? This kind of thing. So 
I, I like to know that, and unfortunately, I got none of that really back um, for Ace. So, as a result of which, I used my imagination and just threw a lot of stuff in there. I think family is important for a companion, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And again, Ace was the very beginning of all of that. Like, Ace is easily mm. the most close to a modern companion in the show. Yeah. And one of the good things about those Virgin Adventures is they really expanded upon her and gave her a lot more character. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I started um, doing that. You see, when I came up with the with the the, the um, actual storyline for Gilgamesh, hmm. um, it wasn't my idea to use Gilgamesh. Uh, what happened was I came up with a completely different, I mean, totally different outline for the first book. And Peter then said to me, ah, yes, I forgot to mention, I want Mesopotamians in it. Uh, so then I had to go back and read. read. Just this little thing, um, yeah. <laughs> just, a, just a small image, you know. And he said to me, you know, um, do you know who Gilgamesh is? Well, he was asking the right person because, I mean, I literally went like, okay, here's my copy of the Epic of Gilgamesh. And it was right next to my computer. So um, I knew what he was talking about. We had a, we had all that discussion about putting him in, and I said, "Well, you know, Gilgamesh is not Gilgamesh is a hero in the story, but he is not what we would consider to be a hero because he's got a lot of bad traits. Yeah, I mean, he's violent, he's unpleasant, um, he's egotistical." You know, I mean, but he's the hero. This is the good guy. So, <laughs> and I said, and also um, he was very unpopular with his people because he was constantly um, raping other men's wives. And yeah. I said, you know, if we have him in the book, I can't really leave out all of these aspects of the character. Um, how far can I go? And Peter said, well, no gratuitous sex unless you think it's called for. Hmm. <laughs> that was my guideline. Um, but um, I, I was doing a balancing act between what I thought I had to have and what I thought I could get away with, really. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you say that, because later on these would be branded as very violent, very uh, sexually yeah. driven, and, and a lot of drug use, actually. I, I know Russell C. Davis did one quite late on in the run. And the, the literal... Well, yeah, go on. Yeah, Peter's original, um, you know, um, outline to me was to say, we want these books to be adult books because children are not going to be reading them, yeah. for one thing. They're going to be not over 300 pages. Kids don't read that amount. This was way before uh, Harry Potter, of course. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you, know, they, you know, children's books were usually around 120, 160 pages. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And these were originally planned to be at least twice that, which was fine because you've got more room to work in a story. And he wanted them to appeal to science fiction fans rather than just specifically Doctor Who fans, mm -hmm. which is why the opening chapters of, um, of Time Worm, I was asked to reintroduce the Doctor. And I thought the best way to do that was to have this sequence where his memories have gone and he's having to reintroduce them that would bring it you know it was a way of bringing in the mm. past without yeah. 
going, and this happened and that <laughs> happened. And I wanted to do something a little bit more lively than that. Oh, yeah. I think so I thought, you know, having Ace completely have a memory wiped would be a good place to, to mm. begin it and to build on. Um, but, um, you know, they were definitely intended from the very start to be far more adult reading. And, yeah. you know, that was part of the, um, of the brief we were given when we were doing the, um, doing the stories was they have to be more adult. Mm. Great. Speaking of which, you, you've actually, uh, you've written a, a novel for a younger demographic with uh, the Lucy Wilson mysteries. Right. Uh, with the book called The Midnight People. So how was that different? Oh, that was a huge amount of fun. Um, and in fact, right at this moment, I started writing today my second Lucy Wilson. Um, so the um, what happened was, uh, again, in, in this case, the, the publisher and, writer and editor contacted me and said, would you like to play in this universe? And um, as I said, I couldn't resist doing the doing the brig and um, they said well we've got this new character also that we're bringing in Lucy Wilson would you like to write something for her and I thought yeah why not that should be fun and with the um, the midnight people it was basically science fiction written for a slightly younger audience um, I've done I've done a lot of horror books for the younger audience, and I've done some fantasy books, but I'd never tried anything quite like that. So it was great doing the the, the Lucy um, book because it, it was I, I guess it's kind of like the um, the Sarah Jane Adventures mm. kind of thing. You know, the, the, the adventure taken down a level rather than pumped up a level, which was, it, it, it worked well for me. And I like the characters. Um, Lucy and Hobo are, are, are quite entertaining. And that to me is the important thing as a writer is that you should, you know, I get up in the morning and there's nobody watching me um, to make sure I actually sit down and do any work. I mean, as far as anybody knows, I'm not doing anything. And to um, to get to work, I have to motivate myself. And the only way I can motivate myself is if I get up each morning going, oh, another chapter, I can't wait. So I always do projects that to me sound like they're going to be huge fun because that's the way I can you know, self-motivate. Um, ensuring that I actually do the work rather than just spend the whole day doing nothing but watch TV or whatever. Uh, and um, that's that's the way I take on projects. If, if they sound like they're going to be fun, yes, let's go. And I, I end up doing... That was going back to Terry, actually. When I was talking to Terry when we started working together, he would give me, um, every now and again, he would give me pieces of advice. And one of the pieces of advice he gave me was, if somebody ever asks you, can you write whatever? Always say yes. He says, yeah. just say yes. Yeah. Make it, be confident. Yes. He says, then you go away and panic. <laughs> and then he says, but the most important thing is, after you've panicked a bit, sit down and do it 
Yeah. Um, you've, made, you've made it necessary for yourself. Yes, you put you you pushed yourself into a corner. You have to do what you committed to. And um I, I love that piece of advice. Mm. And as a result of which I've done some very strange things over my career. Uh, probably the strangest was writing um a calendar. I wrote a calendar one time, which was bizarre. And I've only written one calendar, so it tells you how much I like doing it. Uh, but it was an experience. It was something I hadn't done before. And even now I'm finding that I can get involved in projects which I've never written quite like that before. Um, and it, and it, it makes things lively. It makes it you know, entertaining. Having a written, I've been writing for now 40 years. Good grief, 40 years. Yeah. Um, so it's it's nice when you can get a chance to do something that you haven't done before. And in the case of, of Lucy Wilson, it was something I hadn't done before. And it sounded intriguing. So I thought, yeah, there they go. And um, as I say, now I'm writing my second because I had um, so much fun with the first one. It's a, yeah. Oh yeah. So you've come into it as a seasoned veteran. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. After forty years, I better be coming to something. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is great to hear. Um, my background is um, I'm doing uh, script writing at uni right now. So just hearing that idea of try anything, I I, yes. I really like that idea personally. Yeah. I already know the characters that you enjoy writing for is one of the best things to have because yeah. the scripts you, you will want to return to it it won't be that hard starting again right. and it won't be that hard for you to come up with it you've got like an internal consistency and logic in your head because you know exactly who they are yes so yeah. having a companion that you'd love for doctor who that you like writing for does so much for you it's a good idea so a lot of my stories for uni they've been character based there basically isn't a plot until the end or themes yeah but I've wrote people that I would love to voice over and stuff. Yeah. It, and um, w when I did the missing adventure that I wrote, um, Evolution, yeah. um, it was so much fun for me because they said, well, what Doctor Companion team would you like to do? And I, I was pretty sure that, um, that Peter was going to expect me to say the first Doctor and Susan. But I actually went with um, the fourth Doctor and... Uh, Sarah, because they wow. were my favourite uh, combination, um, and I just loved doing that, um, getting into Sarah's voice and and writing her because I just adored her as a yeah. character, and um, it led to one, one of my favourite things. In fact, I, I did a convention with um, which Liz Sladen was also at, yeah. and uh, this was while I was actually writing the book. And I, I went to her and said, Liz, you know, I'm doing um, a novel uh, with Sarah Jane. And Sarah Jane meets her, um, her own idol. And she said, she leaned forward and took my shoulder and she said, who is it? And I said, Rudyard Kipling. And she said, oh, thank God you picked somebody intelligent. <laughs> and then she gave me the biggest hug. No. Um, then she was still very protective of, of her Sarah character mm. and it was just so lovely I mean she was such a sweetheart 
uh, it's definitely a highlight of, of my convention going, <laughs> getting big hug from um, Liz Sladen. Oh, sounds it. Yeah. Lovely, because that was yeah. one of the we first companions. We grew up with yeah. her, didn't we? we oh, grew yeah. Up with her, with the Sarah Jane Adventures. Hmm. I, that's what's so good about her. Like, her, the basis of her companion, you could say most companions who are good these days, or any uh, even in the show's history, have taken something from Sarah Jane's uh, particular uh, skill sets, um, attributes, etc. Like, that's the bar to compare yeah. the rest to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. But yes, um, that's all the questions I've got. But before I go, I'd just very quickly like to say uh, thank, thank you for contributing to Doctor Who and specifically to my re- my, my earliest uh, memories of reading, actually. Because when I was very young, um, my, aunt, my aunties, my aunts, sorry, were like very big on what came out in the 90s for Doctor Who and they gave me two books. They gave me The Eight Doctors by Terence Dix, and they gave me War of the Daleks, and I instantly went for it, because Daleks on the cover. And it's one of my earliest memories is just having, uh, uh, reading about the sequence you mentioned at the beginning about the files. Yeah. So but that's uh, how you were introduced to the Daleks, not being terrified like I was. Oh, no, I, TV. I, I, I had that first. I watched Resurrection of the Daleks. That was my first thing. And then I saw this and my Daleks, uh, give me them. <laughs> I would have seen it and gone, Daleks, no, put it away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that was my childhood to the Daleks. So mm. I, I couldn't resist. It was just so much fun to do these. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So some people talk about the Daleks getting old. I don't think they will. No, not really. We kind of still we everyone still likes them. They're they're, they're much too popular. <laughs> That's it. That's why Good you reason. see them almost every year. Like there's always yeah, rumors. Yeah, but it's like there's a rumor that it's because Terry Nation's state might take them back. But I personally yeah. think it's because without them, you can't really pop a rating. If that makes sense, you can't. Uh, the reason I come back. <laughs> yeah. I'm a great fan of Chibnall, I've got to say. Hmm. But people admit that he does the Daleks quite well because they, yeah. they're, they're menaces. Yeah. Uh, I'll admit it. I'll, okay, go on then. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you get weaknesses and you get strengths with your writing. And boom, no, of I think Daleks are all right. Hmm. So thank you very, very yeah. much. Yeah, you're quite up, man. Had a lot of fun. Oh, great stuff! Um, Have a lovely day, and we will see. We'll see you all very soon. Bye bye. Okay, thank you so much. Have a good evening. Bye.